Welcome to episode five of the Farm Exec podcast. I'm Michelle Miscali, senior editor at Farm Exec. And I'm Kristen Harm, associate editor at Farm Exec. For those of you joining us for the first time, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. So Kristen, what are we talking about on today's episode? We're talking today to Will Solomon of the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs. Their mission is to establish, certify, and maintain the competencies of qualified medical and scientific professionals. So we'll be back with Will right after this short break. Are you trying to reach top-level pharmaceutical executives? If so, you should think about working with Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. You know, we have a total audience of over 96,000, and our original content is produced by a team of full-time in-house writers and editors. Like us? Yeah, Michelle, like you and me, Mike Christel, Lisa Henderson, Julian Upton, and Lisa Higgins. Wow. That that makes us stand out from the competition. Absolutely. We offer a variety of business solutions like email marketing, online advertising, and custom content. Seriously, what are you waiting for? Contact our publisher. Todd.Baker at UBM.com. Today. And and let let us help you reach your business goals. Hey podcasters, today we have Will Solomon on with us from the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs, which is also known as ACMA. Will is the founder and chair of the ACMA. Welcome, Will. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on today. Michelle, you interviewed Will for an article in our March issue, right? I did. So I met Will, I guess it was a few weeks ago in New York, um, and I had the pleasure of chatting with him over at Russo Partners, and I just really loved his story and about, really about entrepreneurship and seeing a need in the industry and creating something brand new to meet that need. So... You can actually read about it all in our March issue on farmexec.com or on the back page of our March issue if you have it in your hand. But in the meantime, Will, we can't talk about the ACMA without having you briefly tell us a little bit about your background, because as listeners will learn, it's kind of all a little bit intertwined. Yes, it always is. Uh, So actually, not a lot of people know this about me, but I actually grew up in the inner city in Jersey City, and uh, my parents are immigrants, and uh, you might not think about it, but it's actually all very related to the ACMA, because the concept behind ACMA is really about uniformity, consisting, maintaining standards, right? And so when I grew up in, in school in the city, I would see a lot of differences, stark differences I noticed as a kid in the teaching ability and effectiveness from one grade to the next. And then, you know, that whole idea stuck with me so that, you know, you had all these kids in a classroom, but they were all at all very, very different levels, and the teachers from grade to grade were teaching very differently. So I learned, one, people learned differently, two, that that occurred even within the same classroom that you could have significant differences, and three, how you reach people is really important, you know, how you convey a message. And so this actually is very related to the ACMA because ACMA is all about being able to engage learners and get them to actually become really engaged in their learning. So uh, when I completed my bachelor's degree originally, and my background's in biochemistry, 
People don't know that actually my first job was a teacher. I taught it in high school. I taught chemistry and physics. And that really sparked this whole interest about education. And I went on eventually to get a PhD. And of course, you know, went into farm and the rest is history. But that intercalation between science and education really stuck with me. And my passion for education stuck with me. That's kind of, I think, really kind of the plan of the original seed for the ACMA. So these previous positions and experiences obviously led you to create the ACMA. Uh, what prompted that? So, you know, I had really the opportunity to work at a lot of large, mid-sized, small pharma biotech companies. And again, I noticed those stark inconsistencies in medical affairs, kind of like I did when I was a kid in school. But in pharma, obviously what we do is really important for patients. And so I believe that we needed to protect the integrity of the function because it was growing dramatically. I mean, medical affairs has grown, I mean, significantly in the last decade. So again, that was kind of the original genesis of this concept was medical affairs is growing, there's inconsistencies, there's no uniformity for standards, we need to have it. We need to have it because what we do is so, so, so important for the medical community. So that's a huge undertaking. I mean, what was the reaction when you told people about this idea to create these standards? It's a great question. You know, it's like a lot of things when you create something that's a novel concept. Some people love it, some people hate it. Why? <laughs> right? You know, some people in the industry, they believe that because companies are different, you really can't have a standard. But from our perspective, the whole reason for having a standard is just that. It's because there's so many inconsistencies, you need to ensure there's a minimum level of competency set, right? It's like if you go to a pharmacy to get your prescription, you know that that pharmacist is licensed and credentialed. And what that means is that they met a certain level of competency or criteria that they were assessed at by the state. It's the same idea. So that's kind of the idea behind this, is that the same way a CPA exists for accounting or a board-certified physician, you know, in different specialties, BCMES really is the standard for MSLs and medical affairs and pharma. Obviously, you don't just sit down at the computer and write up some ideas and then publish them. So when you're setting up what you want to be industry-wide standards and, you know, you want them to be adopted by people across the globe, it becomes a pretty big task. So tell us about the process and what it was like. Great question. So we brought together a lot of industry leaders, folks from academia, key opinion leader physicians, and we asked them, if you were going to do this, what content would you include and how would you design the program? Um, and they really gave us you know, a tremendous amount of feedback. And it was a long process. You know, it took a long time to really develop the program, the online learning platform, because remember, this entire program is online. So again, it's not just about the content, but it's making sure that you deliver the content in an effective way. And there's a lot of science that goes into online learning. Uh, we actually, at the ACMA, we actually hired really sophisticated software engineers and mathematicians to focus on building algorithms for learning engagement online. So again, we have a really sophisticated way of kind of gauging this and looking at this. And we have a lot of interesting and creative ideas, I think, for the future. So give us a brief timeline of sort of the major milestones here. In other words, like when did you come up with the concept? When did you approach other people? And then how long after that were the standards published? And how many years is it uh, into the program are we at this point? Sure. So the program's been around for a little over two and a half years. Concept began in 2013. Around 2015, the program launched, 
And we had our first enrollee, who I remember well. You know, like they always say, you never forget your first. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I remember the first enrollee very, very well. Um, and so, you know, from there, you know, again, it grew very dramatically. But there were a lot of important milestones. We had our first board of governors convened in early 2016. In 2017, we developed an international board of medical affairs officers, which I'm really proud of because this is a group of really highly esteemed physicians and scientists that are known around the world. And in 2017, something really important happened. We became accredited, the, the board certification program, by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education and the Accreditation Council for, for Pharmacist Education. And that's really, 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 really important. Why? Because we provide an accredited program. You know, you can go to other places and get training, but when you come to the ACMA, you're getting an accredited training program, a credentialed program. And what that means is that the content and the quality is much, much higher than anything else that you're going to see out there. Uh, and then probably the biggest thing that we're really excited about is the partnership with Interpharma, which is the compliance arm in South America that has several pharmaceutical companies that are a part of it. And then most recently, we're working with the city of Chicago and Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who instituted a requirement to credential pharmaceutical sales rep. And this is what we think is going to be the future around the country. And, of course, we've translated our programs, like, like you know, Michelle, in many languages. And we've added seven more certificate programs in more kind of specialized niche areas. So a lot of really exciting things happening at the ACMA. I remember when I was interviewing you and you told me about um, the accreditation. And I just looked at you and I was like, are you serious? That's really hard to do. <laughs> and I think it's yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, I know that's a lot of work to get accredited like that. Um, one, we, we talked about, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, we talked about kind of the struggles and stuff like that, but you know, when you're going to meet these people, you were just mentioning, you know, getting international doctors and international people on board with this, you know, for your board, what's the reaction that you get from them now? They've got to be thrilled to be working on this project. They absolutely are. They're so proud of all the accomplishments uh, and all the developments the ACMA has had over the last few years. And I, you know, and I would say especially it's interesting when you talk to the practicing key opinion leaders, the physicians that are doing the research, that are leaders in medicine. Um, they're really proud of this because they have always believed that it was so, so, so important that the folks that go and educate the medical community, that work with patients, that they were credentialed from the industry side. So I, what I would say, you know, for us working in the pharmaceutical industry, it's important that we recognize and realize this isn't just about us credentialing ourselves. This is really about improving the lives of patients and improving the information that we give to the medical community because they appreciate it. And that's so, so, so critical. And I think, um, as we talked about, it's also a, a kind of a risk mitigation uh, issue as well, correct? Absolutely. I mean, look at all the things that are happening in the news in the last few weeks around the opioid crisis, right? And so I think as an industry, we need to start to think about how do we protect the profession? And I think to do that, this idea of having an accrediting body, a third party that credentials people that educate physicians is critical because this is something that we as an industry kind of leave ourselves open and expose ourselves to risk. So by credentialing folks, you, you basically are ensuring that your pharmaceutical sales rep, that your medical liaison or medical affairs professional, 
meets that certain credential, that certain standard. Uh, and I think that's the future. I think that's where our industry needs to go. So the program's been translated into over 10 languages, as you were uh, mentioned earlier. And since its inception, it's been approximately, it's had approximately 3,000 people go through it, which is pretty incredible. And, you know, it's all based on this idea that you had. So that must be pretty rewarding to watch it grow. Uh, what has that been like for you personally? You know, very rewarding. Um, I would say that the best thing is when we at the ACMA get emails from individuals that have gone through the program and they talk to us about how much it's helped them, either in their current role or in trying to, to, to obtain a role. Um, like, you know, one thing that comes to mind, the other day we received an email from a medical science liaison on MSL in Taiwan who told us how the program helps him tremendously in his role. And then a few weeks ago, we had a physician who's a medical director at a pharmaceutical company in the United States tell us that he wishes that he would have had this when he first started at the company because it would have helped him kind of navigate the ropes. So when you hear things like that, it's, it's absolutely awesome to hear because you're really making a difference in people's lives in terms of helping them do their job more effectively and more easily. Right, right. That's wonderful, Will. I think it's pretty interesting. Looking to the future, let's say 10 years down the road, what do you hope these standards accomplish within the industry? In the end of the day, it's really about more effective standard of practice in the industry, meaning that we do our job more effectively, we do our job with less risk, and we do our job in keeping the patients and the public health in, in mind. And by having these standards, again, we're protecting our industry, we're elevating our competence, and I believe this is the future of the pharmaceutical industry. You know, for, for us at the ACMA, credentialing is critical to, again, establishing uniformity, consistency, and I believe this is where the industry is going to go, no doubt about it. Uh, and I would say to all my colleagues that work in the pharmaceutical industry, the way you need to think about this is, you do what you do every day, and you got into this field working in pharma, presumably for patients. To build relationship with physicians, we all know that physicians value individuals that are properly trained, properly credentialed, and that are, want to do what's in the best interest of patients. So how I see this whole thing really at the end of the day is about doing what's right for the community, for the healthcare community at large. And so I think it's not just about, you know, us being more effective. That's a critical component, but it's also about making sure that by differentiating ourselves, we're protecting the integrity of the, of the industry and also doing what's right for the community, the medical community, and patients in general. So hopefully that helps to sum it up. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Will. Um, I know you are actually fitting us in because you're on your way off to Europe for a business trip. So we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us and be on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. And now it's time for our segment, Leadership Tips from Pharma Execs. Hi, everyone. William Solomon here with the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs. A great leadership tip that I've heard is a good leader is someone that people want to follow, not that they actually have to follow. And I think the way to do that is to actually build trust. When people trust you and people know that you have their best intentions in mind, they'll always want to follow you.
enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. If you've enjoyed the podcast, take a screen grab on the device that you're listening on and send us a photo and comment on Twitter at FarmExec. Remember that you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at FarmExec, on Instagram at FarmExecutive, and on YouTube, which you can find on our website. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director lisa.henderson at ubm.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at todd.baker at ubm.com.